All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. We're starting a new series. I'm excited about it. Been studying uh, 2 Thessalonians. That was a good song, wasn't it? Reminds me of the song I sing sometimes, Master of the Wind. This is Master of the Sea, and he's both, amen? Thank the Lord for that. Well, I want all of you to amen a little louder tonight because I can't hear. I don't know. I've lost my hearing, and I want to blame it on uh, uh, pan-seared steak. Amen. Last night I tried something new. I said I was going to cook a steak in an iron skillet. And I smoked the house up so bad that I lost my hearing. Amen. I mean, it's a pathetic thing. You can, uh, you just wouldn't believe it. And uh, so I can only hear out of this ear. So I need all the ameners to move right over here. Amen. Uh, and, uh, and if you're amening over here, then say it a little louder. Amen. Because I don't, I don't preach unless I get amens. No, not really. But um, uh, it's just a weird thing not to be able to hear, I'll tell you that. Um, let's, let's continue to pray for all those that are sick, that they'll be back with us this Sunday. You know, I was thinking about the importance of coming to church, and I mentioned this to one person right before the service, is that, you know, we need to oil the hinges of people that are not coming to church by coming to church. Uh, I'm talking about relatives ought to be here. Mom and dads ought to be here uh, that their children might come. And so uh, attending church is not just for yourself. Attending church is setting a pattern. Attending church is setting the door open. It's all in the hinges. And so you want to quit, I know, but you can't afford to quit if there's somebody that's going to uh, wreck their life by getting out of the will of God. So you need to come back for them. Amen. Uh, and I'm not trying to push anything, and you know I know a lot of people don't feel safe, and some people don't want to uh, cause anybody else to get anything, and that's considerate. I appreciate that. But I was thinking about a couple. It's really heavy on my heart, and we need to really pray they'll get back in the will of God, because if they don't, there could be some tragedy, and uh, that's for all of us. Amen. Well, the book of Second Thessalonians, Paul continues his theme about the second coming. And uh, evidently it worked because there was a lot of people that um, was being faithful in the last in these days of persecution. And so it's a picture of a model church in verses one through five uh, that's under attack and under persecution. We've never been under persecution. I think we're heading that direction. Give me about two more presidents that are anti-Christ, anti-church and anti-morals and We'll probably be outlawed, amen. I mean, it's a, it's it's a, it's a fact, and so we might have persecution on the way. We really might, but uh, we need to be faithful, even in dark times. We need to be faithful for His glory, and th- and I think the th- the key verse in the whole book is chapter one, verse twelve. Look at that with me. It says that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you. And ye and him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And he talks about persecution. He talks about what they're going through and even how those people that are just giving them torment are going to hell and get their due rewards if they don't get saved. I don't believe we ought to pray for people to go to hell and we shouldn't pray for people to die. Some people hate people so bad they just wish they'd die. No, I think we ought to pray that they'll get saved. Amen? And don't ever give up on people. But let's read the 
verses 1 through 5 of 2 Thessalonians, and we're going to go verse by verse, and I think I can cover about a half a chapter a week, so it'll only be a few weeks, and then Brother Jeremy's going to start the King James Version on Sunday night uh, in March, and we'll have a good time uh, going through this book of 2 Thessalonians. I promise you, I won't take as long as I did on 1 Thessalonians. That was months, but I enjoyed every bit of it. Amen. I don't know if you did or not. Uh, that's that's where I heard a lot of people say amen over here, but I couldn't hear them. Amen. Okay, let's stand in all the word of God. Paul and Silvanus and Theopius uh, and to the church of Thessalonians and Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I like that opening. In God our Father, grace unto you and peace. Grace always comes before peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet because that your faith, faith groweth exceedingly. Can somebody say that about your faith during this time? And the charity of every one of you all towards each other aboundeth, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience, and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endured, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which ye also suffer. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for this church that was faithful in dark times. And God, we're living in some dark times. Probably not half as bad or a fourth, a tenth as bad as, as this church was under persecution from religionists and the wicked empires of, of, that, of that day. But dear God, help us, Lord, to be faithful. God, help us to be faithful when we don't feel like it. Help us to be faithful when it's not convenient. And God, help us to feel be faithful in season, out of season, that we might disciple others, that we might loosen the hinges of these doors for others to come in, that we might set a good example for the next generation. God, help us to realize the tougher the times, the more faith, the more love that we ought to have. And the tougher the times, the more we need each other in the local assembly called the church. So Lord, bless this series. Thank you, God, for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Boy, I appreciate that special. goes right along with the message. You know, this passage is a clear picture of what it, what it takes to uh, be called a strong church. A church never needs strength any more than when it's under savage attack and persecution. The Thessalonian church had been fiercely persecuted. And they stood fast for Christ. And the Thessalonian believers stood as a model church for all other churches, and they're pictured of what a church should be when it's being attacked, when it's being persecuted. And I believe with all my heart, it all starts with leadership. I want you to know, first, first of all, number one, is that if we're going to be the kind of model church, and we're going to stay faithful for His glory in times of attack, and in times of pandemic, in the time of political unrest, 
uh, we need to be ministers that stay faithful. Uh, everything rises and falls on, on leadership. Uh, last night, uh, I, I, I slept good, even though I smoked the house up with those steaks, couldn't hear a thing afterwards. I, I, it usually goes to your sinuses. This went to my ears, and I mean it was a good steak, but we paid the price. Amen. I ain't never cooking one like that again. But um, I dreamed all night about L Dr. Lee Robinson. And me and him were in an adventure. I don't know what we was doing, but man, we were just having some fellowship. And I could hear his voice. And, and uh, I could hear, I, could, I, could, uh, fellow, I was fellowshipping with him. And I said, my word, where did that come from? Probably that smoke, I don't know. But anyway, um, and I thought about his faithfulness. Forty and a half years in the same church. And, uh, and you know, how wonderful it was to see so many people saved, so many missionaries called out of that church. And some trained uh, in that school, uh, like Brother Jeremy and Brother Bobby and some of you, uh, Brother Thurman Wade, who's going to be the Lord, and others that trained in that great college. Uh, but folks, first of all, we need to be ministers or leaders, and that includes all of us, that are faithful that are faithful, in season, out of season. I want you to notice um, in verse 1, it says, Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the church of Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, hey, listen, we ain't much, but we know who is. And we're in Christ, and we're doing this for the Lord, our Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he needs to be Lord of leadership, and he need to be, we need to realize that ministers need to give special attention uh, to the flock uh, during the times of need. Uh, they need to be on encouraging grounds. If we get down leadership, and all of you that are leadership, you come on Wednesday night, I, I count you as leaders. If you get down, you can't help anybody. If you lose faith, then uh, who's going to follow you? We must stay faithful. And folks, even the introduction of these young men and then Paul, he said, listen, we're in God our Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. The, our Father inclines that they had a close relationship with God. And you can't take people where you're not at. Uh, you, can't, you, can, uh, you, you, can, you can't lead a, somebody said you can't lead a horse to the, to the water, but you sure can whet their appetite, Amen. And so they were ridiculed, they were marked, mocked, they were cursed, they were ostracized, they were threatened, they were rejected, they suffered persecution. And they needed to be taught uh, to face death correctly, and they needed reproof, but they needed counsel, and they needed comfort, and they needed an example. I walked in Miss Connie's house today, and it sure was good to get out on visitation, Connie and I. And the first thing Miss Connie said was, I don't know what I'd do without you and Miss Connie. And she began to cry and weep because she said, you know something, my best friend was Robert. He hadn't passed on yet. We're going to pray for a miracle. But she was trying to prepare herself. And her daughter just passed away one month ago today. Very young, uh, had uh, terrible cancer. Last time I saw her was in Northwest Stands at a football game about a year ago. She's still smiling. 
And Robert was a, a man that was always kidding around with me and was always building something. And uh, I thought to myself, um, we need to be there for others. We need to be there when we don't know what to say. Somebody told me the best thing to do at a funeral home, I was going to try to make the funeral home after the service to, tonight, Miss Robin, is just be there. You don't have to say much. You don't know what to say. Just be there. Spiritual leaders, you just need to be here. You need to be at your post. You need to be faithful in season, out of season. We need to be faithful when people are facing trying times. Folks, if you're not available when things are going bad, then when what kind of what kind of church are we? We need to be faithful. Acts 20, 35 says this, I have showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak. And to remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, how he said, it's more blessed to give than receive. Everybody's looking for a blessing, but I believe we ought to come to be a blessing. I thought about doing this, and we don't have enough people really to take this survey, but I thought everybody that's lost a mate ought to be at this altar praying. Everybody that's lost a child ought to be at this altar praying because you know how they feel. You know what they're going through. You've been there. The Bible says, bear ye one another's burden, so fulfill fulfill the law of Christ. So it's not much, uh, you think about the introduction here, but it was, they were saying, hey, listen, we're here, we want to be a blessing, and we want to help you. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 3, the Bible says, remember them that are in bonds as bound with them, and and them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. When one's hurt, we're all hurt. When one's grieving, we ought to all grieve. When one's honored, we ought to all be honored. Folks, this is the local church. The model church is that we draw closer together during times of trials than we've ever done before. That's why it's important that we get back to ministering one to another. It's important that we keep visiting. It's important that we send cards. It's important that we make phone calls. It's important that we cook meals. And I know all this stuff has messed it all up, and we're afraid to move close to somebody. Folks, pure religion undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep him unspotted from the world. God wants us to set an example. God wants us to set an example. And then number two, the model church, and we're going to get to the church now, believers have a firm foundation in God in Christ. The Bible says in our Father, It says, in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. What he was saying, even in his introduction, he was saying, hey, listen, it's not up to us. It's up up to God to keep us going and keep us stable and keep us uh, steady and to keep us enduring strongly. It's God. Thank God that we don't have to bear this on our own. Now, we need each other, but we need God. And so the foundation is this. The grace of God. The grace of God. And folks, this church was going through living persecution, imprisonment, uh, scourgings, um, death, uh, starvation, ridicule. It It was just a terrible time for the church. And he was commending them about their firm foundation in Christ. You know, I was thinking about it today. It seems like a lot of people think America's falling apart. 
And maybe it is, but I'll tell you one thing, the church is not falling apart. And we're grounded on the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the builder and maker of uh, heaven, and he's also the builder and maker of the church. And the Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We're on a rock, and that rock is not Peter, uh, as the Catholics misinterpret. That rock is Jesus. And folks, we have a foundation. We have a solid foundation. And he reminded them just with the phrase, in God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's move on. I see third of all that uh, uh, he, he's saying uh, that uh, if you want to be a model church, and you want to be a blessing, you need to know the grace and peace of God. Look at verse 2. Grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, he opens his book, uh, the epistles many times with that, and I believe it's a divine order, grace and then peace. And folks, there is no grace without peace. You know, before we left that house, um, and, and it's the latest visit I made, and I don't mean to uh, emphasize anyone over anybody else, but even with the tears streaming down Miss Connie's face, she said, I know it's just good night, not goodbye, and I'll see my daughter and my husband soon. And Brother Wayne, I know we're in the last days. Now that was a, that was a, that was a heart of faith, and that was a heart of grace. And she said this, she said, only by the grace of God can I get through this. And folks, thank God we need each other. We need a pastoral visit. We definitely need a, a pastoral wife's visit because she's, she's better at it than I've ever been. But we need a visit from the Almighty God of His grace. His grace is sufficient. You know, when I think about what we're going through and what the world's going through, I just keep on praising God for the amazing grace of God. I thank God that His grace supersedes all the evil. His grace supersedes all the suffering. He's called, he calls it in 2 Corinthians or 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I think it's 2 Corinthians, sufficient grace. That when we're weak, then we're strong. When we feel like we can't make it, He makes it for us. So folks, look at that phrase. You ought to, you ought to underline it, circle it, highlight it. Grace and peace. The believer knows the grace and peace of God. The grace and peace of God is such a blessing. We're the only people that can cry and smile at the same time. I call them holy schizophrenics. That's what we are. We all have hope in Christ. We have the grace of God so we can have peace with God and the peace of God that passes all understanding. And it's amazing to feel and sense the, the peace of God with somebody that walks with God. But I'm going to tell you something. If you're backslidden and you're away from God and tragedy strikes in your family, you're on your own. You're on your own. I told someone today, I said, I'm going to tell you something. Your wife needs your spiritual leadership. And I want to tell you something. You can ask people to pray and everything else, but I want to tell you something. We husbands, need to be spiritual leaders because we never know when our wife's going to need some comfort and strength and you can't give out of emptiness. We must be men of God, ladies of God, with a, with a peace and a grace that passes all understanding. Then, fourth of all, real quick tonight, I won't be long, 
I see that believers have faith that grows more and more. Now, this is probably what he's commending them a, a lot about, and I know that I've ran into the ground in verse 3 about um, uh, great uh, faith, hope, and love, these three, which are always the attributes of Paul's commending the church. He didn't commend them for buildings. He didn't commend them for numbers. He commended them for three things. Every epistle, faith, hope, and love. Here it is again. Look at it. Verse 3. We're bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet because of your faith groweth exceedingly. Listen to that. They're being persecuted. They're being thrown in jail. They're being starved. They're being uh, uh, abused by their own family and disowned because they're believers. And he says, your faith is growing exceedingly. Now, folks, listen. Don't waste your troubles. Don't waste the darkness. Don't waste the problems. You can grow during this time. And you ought to be closer to God than you've ever been before. And I guarantee you some people will never come back to this church because they backslid, because they got away from God. They lost their appetite for holy things. They don't want it anymore. And they'll use that as an excuse not to come back. And that's sad. That's sad. You can blame the deacons if you want to. You can blame the preacher if you want to. You can blame the pandemic if you want to. But I want to tell you something. God hasn't moved. And if you're backslidden, he hadn't moved, you've moved. We need to stay as close to God as we can. But even more so as we see the day approaching and even more so as we sense this anti-Christ spirit in this world. It is blossoming uh, like a thorn in the flesh. Uh, more than ever, people are just exceedingly anti-Christ. And folks, the Bible says, exceedingly. I want you to look at that word. It says, I'm bound to thank God always, brethren, because your faith groweth exceedingly. That word exceedingly um, means explosively. Uh, it means grow uh, exponentially. It means beyond measure. It's beyond what we can comprehend. And folks, the church is growing in faith in the midst of savage persecution. Far worse than we've ever had it. Far worse. I was trying to make the comparison the other day just to help somebody come to church Sunday. The Frankie Sheridan church was open when there was 28 below zero. And that wasn't wind chill factor. That was chill factor. Amen? Everything was frozen. And they still had 10 or 20 in, in church. And he was rejoicing in their faithfulness. I'm rejoicing in the fellow that went to North Dakota from Cartersville, Georgia. He used to be the bus captain for Brother Austin Gardner that would give up this beautiful country of, of, of warm weather to go to a place called North Dakota. Good gracious lie. 29 below. I talked to a guy today from Kansas City that wanted some help with a commissioning service, one of the missionaries we just took on. And I said, well, how's the weather up there? He says, well, it got up to three today. I said, what? He said, three. This boy's from Columbus, Georgia, the pastor, Stephen Henderson. And he said, you know, my blood hadn't adjusted to this yet. I said, well, I'm... I'm just going to stay down in Georgia, praise God. But folks, there's a coldness that's creeping over this society. There's an antichrist. There's, I believe there'll be persecution. There's a darkness. And folks, it's so sad that during this pandemic, some Christians are turning on each other, turning on God, 
and turning on the church. And folks, we need to be closer than we've ever been before. I'm going to get to that in just a minute. But folks, they were growing uh, in faith exceedingly. What a glorious testimony. What a glorious testimony that they were under so much persecution, but they were growing in faith exceedingly. Folks, your measurement of faith is how much you're, uh, how faithful you are during persecution, how faithful you are in problems. I think about uh, Judson and how he had to go from door to door to find somebody, and he bribed the jail, jail keepers to bribe, bribe, bribe the jail keepers and then went door to door to try to find some Burmese women that would feed his baby that was starving. And he was beat uh, for translating the word of God in Burmese. And folks, I mean, he was uh, persecuted. And praise God, he said this. He said, the future is as bright as God's promises. Now, thank God for faith like that. And thank God for a missionary to say, the future is as bright as God's promises. And he's being beat, tortured, and put in jail. He had bloody tracks of, uh, of the, his own blood as he walked from door to door uh, to try to get his little baby uh, to be nursed by some of these strangers. Door to door. And folks, we complain sometimes when the weather gets below 30. We complain about things that uh, make us look so wimpy compared to all the uh, great missionaries that suffered and bled and died for the faith. The martyrs, think about martyrs giving their life for Christ and many were giving their life for Christ. That's great faith. And then it says we are bound. That, that, you know, the, the word bound means I'm just compelled. I have a compulsion, an obligation to commend you for your faith. And folks, the first thing Paul says about this church is thank God for your faith. Now faith is always with works. Faith without works is dead being alone, James 2.17. And so you show the world by your faith, and folks, you show the world how close you are and how real God is to your life by your faithfulness. Thank God for you being here tonight. I know it wasn't easy. A little chilly outside. Had a hard day. You could have stayed home, but you're here. Believers have faith that grows more and more. And folks, this is the key. Verse 10 through 12 says that we're, we're faithful to glorify God in this first verse. And so they were satisfied with just enough faith to get by? No. They were satisfied with enough faith to salve their little conscience and say, I got faith? No. They grew in faith when it was hard to have faith. When your faith's attacked, you'll find out how much faith you have. Matthew chapter 8, verse 13, the Bible says, And Jesus said unto the Sister, Go thy way, for thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the same self-hour. He said, Lord, you don't even have to be there. Just speak the word. Jesus said unto him, If thou can believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Mark chapter 9, verse 23. In Mark chapter 11, some of the strongest verses on faith in the word of God Verse 22 and 23 and 24 says this, And Jesus answered said to them, Having faith in God. Maybe that's why I dreamed about Dr. Lee Robinson all night. Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, 
and be thou cast in the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe in those things which he shall, shall come to pass, and shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. Luke 17, 5 says, And the apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. Folks, the greatest need you have is abounding faith. Not just sustaining faith, even though, thank God, that we can have faith in a God that sustains us. But we need a faith that abounds. I mean, faith that supersedes the culture supersedes the indifference, supersedes the trouble and trials. We're so whimsical sometimes when the, when the wind's blowing against us, we go with the wind. No, we need to go with God. We need to make a difference by abounding faith. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16, the Bible says, Above all, take the shield of faith. Why? Wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Folks, those fiery darts of doubt, the fiery darts of pride, I don't need to pray. Then it says, put on the whole arm of God. And then it says, praying always with all supplications in the spirit uh, for all saints. And that's putting on the armor. And so faith is the shield. And that shield was from head to toe, pitched within and without, and quenched all the fiery darts the dart of atheism, the dart of doubt. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 3, the Bible says, For we which believe do enter into rest. And he said, As I have sworn in my wrath, if thou shalt enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Folks, you can rest. Of course, as I quoted Sunday night, uh, Hebrews eleven six 6 says, For without faith it's impossible to please God. So here it is. It's a matter of faith. You ought to measure your life by your abounding faith. You ought to measure your faith by your faithfulness, by your works. Amen. And you know, I believe with all my heart. Turn to James chapter 1. I want you to see these verses. that God, God promises wisdom. And God promises wisdom in terrible times of persecution, of sickness, of sorrow of things that just knock the wind out of you. And James chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, 4 and 5. The Bible says this, But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire and wanting nothing. That means mature. It says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not. It means he don't fuss at you when you ask for wisdom. And he shall be given to you. But let him ask in what? Faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. That's where a lot of Christians are being. They're just driven with the wind. Everybody else is down, so we'll be down. Everybody else is out, we'll be out. Everybody else is so pessimistic and down and out about the political scene. Oh, let's just all be pessimistic. No, folks, there's faith. Look at verse 7. And let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Folks, listen. This verse in context says that there's diver um, trying of your faith, verse 3, that worketh patience, but there's diver's temptation. 
That means there's all kinds of tribulation. There are all kinds of trials. And he says, ask for wisdom. What does that mean? Don't waste your trouble. Ask God what he wants to teach you. Ask God who he wants you to minister to. Don't ask God how you can get out of this. Don't ask God how you can be more comfortable. I know that's a reasonable prayer. I prayed that a lot when I had the COVID. Lord, help me not to have a bad case. I know that's selfish praying, but it worked. But I'll say this, friend. God, help us to realize that God has allowed all this to happen for a reason, and we need to abound in faith. We need to overflow in faith and in love. That brings me to my fifth point. Folks, we need to have a overflowing love. Go back to uh, our text in 2 Thessalonians. It says in verse 3, we abound in, we're bound, we're compelled to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly. But he didn't stop there. And he said this, and the charity of every one of you all towards each other abounded. What a testimony of a church during trials and tribulation and dark times. Folks, these believers picked it up. These believers overflowed. These believers abound towards one another. If we've ever needed the church, it's today. Don't you let the devil isolate you. Don't let the devil think that you don't need the church anymore. You need the church of the living God more than you've ever needed in your life and that is the, that's God's people, not this building. We need encouragement. We need exhortation. We need, we need prayer. We need prayer. I was so thrilled that the prayer room was full minus half Sunday night. It looked full to me, praise the Lord, with the tables and everything in there. Folks, listen, love being spoken about is the love of believers for believers, not the world. And the Bible says they'll know that we're disciples because we love who? One another. And this letter of First or Second Thessalonians, Paul is exhorting the church to grow more in love for one another because we need each other. They needed the message because there was tension in the church surrounding the Lord's return. Paul's exhortation had worked and finally they got together and the church has straightened out the differences and the differing parties and the different interpretation of Paul was teaching about the second coming and they started walking hand in hand with one another, overflowing, growing in love, one for another. This is the reason Paul thanked them for their overflowing love. You know, I really believe this, that trials is like hot water to a tea bag. It shows what's inside that counts. I mean, it's easy to be a Christian when everything is going your way and your secret sister doesn't forget your gift. I mean, it's wonderful when you get a good gift. And it's wonderful when the preacher pats you on the back and writes you up in the bulletin. But I want to tell you something, when all hell breaks out in this world and all kinds of demons and all kinds of antichrist spirit comes against you, that's the test of your love for God. Folks, it binds us together as a family. Folks, you touch my family, 
I hope I don't turn on my family if somebody went against my family. No, I try to gather them together. Uh, it binds individuals in an unbreakable union. It holds individuals with the deepest affection. We nourish and, and we, we nurture one another when we're hurt, when things are going bad. It shows concern. We start looking after each other. And you know it's true. It's a, it's a motherly instinct to take care of a child when he's hurt. It's a fatherly instinct to try to help your child when he's bullied by the devil. And folks, we ought to cherish one another. We ought to comfort one another. We ought to encourage one another. And folks, we need to realize that it's abounding love, the kind of love that every believer should have for every believer. It's sad today that many churches are just about to close their doors because they forgot each other. And they gave the pastor the devil for being too strict or too loose. Can't win, you know. Well, I'll tell you what, I've learned a long time ago, just please God, everything will take care of itself. Just follow the Lord. The folks just love people. I like John 13, 34, and 35, and I'll close. It says, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you love one another. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you love one another. It's a command that you love one another. But what's the standard of that love? Well, look at John 15, 12. John 15, 12 real quick. This is wonderful. See, we get, a, we get low standards. We get low, low expectations. I'll tell you how you ought to love each other. John 15 and verse 12. The Bible says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Sums it up, don't it? What a great challenge that we love each other like Christ loved us. That means we'll forgive each other. That means we'll sacrifice for each other. Say amen. We'll take a chance to minister. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll not care about ourselves, but we'll care about others more than ourselves. We'll make that visit. We'll, we'll encourage that soul because we're not here for our little old self. We're here to be like Jesus, and Jesus so loved us. So loved. The Bible says in Romans 12, 9, let love be without dissimulation. That means hypocrisy. Abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. That's hard to do today. Romans 12, 9. And folks, we need to love sincerely. You know, God has called us to love and serve one another. And in the last days, especially in these days of persecution, we ought to love each other. Peter said it like this in 1 Peter 4, 8. He says, Above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover a multitude of sins. You know what people need to feel when they come in this place? Love. I had two visitors Sunday morning. They said we felt love in that place. They didn't agree with us and some of the things that they've been taught and all that, but they knew that they, they were loved. It's hard to do when we're so distant. But thank God they sense the love of God in this place. This is a commandment that we have from him. 
that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. 1 John 4, 21. Folks, I believe with all my heart, all my heart, we need to love overflowingly. We need to love supernaturally. Let me close by just giving the fifth point, and then I mean the sixth point, and then we'll we'll take this up next week because this is a series, and I can just take it up. But um, we need to see, last but not least, that believers have a strong endurance and faith. Look at verse four. It says, "So then we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience." and faith in all persecution and tribulation, that ye, what's the next word, class? Endure, endure, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which ye also suffer. You know what he's saying? It ought to be a privilege for you, as you're persecuted, to be steadfast, unmovable, always loving, always working, they were persecuted, folks, but they had a dynamic testimony. I ain't got time to go into it. Verse 10 through 12, the testimony was this. God was getting the glory from a church that just wouldn't quit. A church that was over, abounding in faith, overflowing in love, and praise God, enduring tribulation and persecution by faith. Father, use this message. Thank you, dear God, for this introduction to this wonderful book. And thank you, dear God, that we can be challenged because we're living in a pretty tough time, a dark time, not of much persecution, but dear God, there's a lot of things going on that could discourage us and could... Um, Cause us to not love and cause us not to minister and cause us not to feel the infirmities of others and cause us not to abound in faith and overflow in love. And so, dear God, help us to die to self. And God, help us to yield our life. God, thank you that we're not under persecution yet. And thank you, dear God, for the church that's been faithful that's been uh, faithful to watch the broadcast and faithful to come back to church after they get well and faithful to, to send that card. Even when they were sick, they were sending cards, making that phone call. Thank you for our faithful teachers that were ministering to their class, even their new members that have come up to their class. And even though they can't meet, they can minister and they can pray. God, thank you that we're still here. And thank you, dear God, that we can still be a light. And Lord, I know the world's thinking we're going to fold. But God, may we be abounding in faith, hope, and love. And Lord, we know that we can give you the credit and the glory for helping us as a church to stay together, to minister to one another, to love each other unconditionally, and to minister out of the fullness of the Holy Spirit to one another. Thank you for the church. Thank you, God, for the encouragement that I receive every time I walk in these doors. Thank you, God, for the love that I sense from the, our members. And thank you, dear God, for their faithfulness. Lord, I know it's the only reason that I've stayed here these many years because somebody
was here for the right reason, and that was to encourage one another and bring glory to God by increasing their faith to the abounding of others. And Lord, we thank you for this book that we're about to preach through. We pray to God that you'd help us to rightly divide it, teach it right, God to receive it and live it right. And we'll thank you for that. With every head bowed, every eye closed, and I'm going to have to dismiss a little early, but y'all can hang around that's got children. But have me say, preacher, this is dark days. This is confusing days. But I want to be found abounding in faith and abounding in love. And I sure want to be patient with the hope of Christ in my life. And that's my prayer tonight. Would you slip your hand up high if you need that? I know I do. Father, use this message and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' precious name, amen.